2 Kings chapter 7. Elisha said, Hear Yahweh's word. Yahweh says, Tomorrow about this time a seer of flour will be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the captain, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if Yahweh made windows in heaven, could this thing be? He said, Behold, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. They said to one another, Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we will die there. If we sit here, we will also die. Now therefore come, let's surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we will live. If they kill us, we will only die. So they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. When they had come to the outermost part of the camp of the Syrians, behold, no man was there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians to hear the sound of chariots and the sound of horses, and even the noise of a great army. And they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. When these lepers came to the outermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried away silver, gold and clothing and went and hid it. Then they came back and entered into another tent and carried things from there also and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We aren't doing right. Today is a day of good news and we keep silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let's go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the city gatekeepers, and they told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, not even a man's voice, but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. He called the gatekeepers, and they told it to the king's household within. The king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry, therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. One of his servants answered, Please let some people take five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are like all the multitude of Israel who are left in it. Behold, they are like all the multitude of Israel who are consumed. Let's send and see. Therefore they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them out to the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. They went after them to the Jordan, and behold, all the path was full of garments and equipment which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. The messengers returned and told the king. The people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a seer of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to Yahweh's word. The king appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to be in charge of the gate. And the people trampled over him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. It happened as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seers of barley for a shekel, and a seer of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And the captain answered the man of God and said, Now, behold, if Yahweh made windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, you will see it with your eyes, but not eat of it. It happened like that to him, for the people trampled over him in the gate, and he died. So this is the siege of Samaria. We talked about how bad it was. It was so bad, 
people even ate their own children. We talked about that in the last chapter. And the, Elisha prophesies that by this time tomorrow, food will be very cheap. We tried to work out the pricing of food in the last chapter and I wasn't able to do it. There's just so many different opinions on it that I found online. Maybe there's an expert that knows, but I didn't read him or her. So in this chapter, um, these lepers, they uh, work out, they're gonna die anyway. <laughs> it's better to die by the sword than die by starvation. So they thought they'd go out to the Syrians and see. And they found that the camp was empty. So the Syrians had got panicked. They thought an enemy army was coming and they had bolted, left behind everything. And so it was great news the Lord had provided. Now the um, messenger of the king had said, if the Lord opens the windows of heaven, could such a thing happen? Now he basically didn't believe that even if God, even if God does something, even God couldn't do this. He's basically saying, even if God opened the heaven, windows of heaven, this couldn't happen. So he, was, he wasn't only doubting, I understand the doubting. You know, if you're in a situation like that, it just seems so unlikely that anything could change. Uh, a miracle at that point seems just inconceivable. And yet what he's saying is, even God couldn't solve this problem. Now, can you think of anyone who's ever said anything like that? <laughs> Anyone who says things like that, it's ne it never seems to be a good ending. I could thought, thought of a few. It was the, the people that made the Titanic that said even God couldn't sink this ship. Now, did God sink the ship? Well, I don't know, but the ship sunk. And um, so maybe God allowed it to vindicate his name. I mean, I don't know. It seems like a terrible, terrible tragedy. and We don't want to blame God for the terrible tragedy. Um, but when people say even God couldn't do this, or if people even more directly dare God to do things, I think it's a really risky place to be. Mussolini was the, um, the dictator of Italy right through World War II, and he was a, a strong atheist. I mean, he hated God, and, and he, <laughs> he, had, he wrote a book which is full of nasty things about God, and he was well known for having these rallies where he would dare God to strike him dead. Now I Googled, I'd heard someone preach on this and I wasn't sure if it was just an urban legend, but I Googled and found some examples of it. So it's definitely a thing where he would have rallies and he would say, the Lord, you know, he would dare God to strike him dead like, but nothing would happen yet. <laughs> and um, I think that when you're saying things like that to God, that's very, very dangerous, especially if you're doing it repeatedly and especially if you're doing it in public because you're putting God's name on display or God's reputation on display. You know, like the person that that um, said that even God couldn't sink the Titanic. Well, it was on it was on public record. So um, if the Titanic had a long and successful life, um, you know, people would probably be using that as an example against God. But they don't, do they? Because, well, the Titanic sank. And um, one of the worst examples of the, and of course what happened to Mussolini was he was, um, he was hung in Italy. Like, he didn't get a lightning bolt from heaven, but he ended up being hung in terrible circumstances and his body was put up for display. And there's photos of it online. So the Lord, uh, you know, I'm going to be careful that I don't, um, uh, you know, say that God did it, but he very well could have done it. And um, when, it's, it's amazing when people seem to dare God how things happen to them. And, um, We've got to remember that 
uh, the Lord doesn't have the same rules that we've got. For starters, the Lord's the giver of life. So you and I, we're not the giver of life. When, if we were to murder or to take someone's life, we're taking away something that isn't ours to take away. But the Lord has given every person their life. It's a, it's a precious gift from him. And the Lord determines, the Bible says, the times and the places where people live. He determined the family that you'd be born into, whether you'd be male or female, what year you'd be born into, what city you'd be born into. He's determined a lot of things. And he determines how long you'll live. So the length of your life is also his determination, a gift from him. So if people are saying to the Lord, you know, I dare you to end my life, well, it's effectively a prayer. <laughs> and um, it's a prayer asking for that. And they may not realize it, but when they do it in public and they do it in front of people, like Mussolini did, well, no one goes around defending Mussolini and saying, he, you know, that the Lord didn't take him up on his dare. Well, because you can't say that the Lord didn't take him up on his dare. And an even worse example is this city in, in Italy, also in Italy, the city of Messina in 1908 published in the newspaper an article, it was like a kind of a Christmas carol, a mock Christmas carol, changing all the meanings, all the words about Jesus, saying that he wasn't the son of God. In the end, the article dared God to send an earthquake on the city of Messina. You know, very bold, published with all this anti-God stuff. And in December the 28th of the same year, just three days later, an earthquake hit, just as they did. The dared God to send an earthquake, an earthquake hit caused a giant tidal wave right there off the coast of Messina and destroyed about 80,000 people in one hour. Terrible, terrible tragedy. And so um, it's hard to know what to say about those types of things because they sound so cruel. But I just think that when you say to the Lord, when you say the types of things like this to the Lord, you're really stepping on dangerous ground. And that's what the man did in this story. He said, even if God was to be involved, he couldn't do that or that couldn't happen. And Elisha says, well, you're going to see it, but you will not eat of it. And that's exactly what happened. So um, some people would say, you know, how did Elisha know what was going to happen? Well, it depends on who you are. If you're a skeptic, you would say, oh, this story's just made up. <laughs> Fair enough. You don't have to explain away the prophecy if you think that. But if you, if you know that the Bible is an accurate record, you'd say, well, how did the prophet know? Well, there's a lot of things that, that the Lord is willing to reveal to those who are able to see or want to see. Now, Elisha was someone who saw into the spirit realm. We've already seen that. He saw the horses and the chariots. The, the Elisha saw things. The Lord showed them to him. And ultimately... We all see things. There's lots of things that the Lord reveals to us. He wants to get our attention. And you think about this story right here. Uh, this story, you'd have to say, how could the people of Israel not have followed the Lord? Look at what the Lord did. The Lord delivered them from the hand of the Syrians. The word came from the prophet that it was going to happen. And then it happened. Like, why did the nation of Israel continue to follow in their sin year after year getting worse it's because they didn't want to see. And the same is true of the world around us. There are people that don't want to see. The Lord does things as obvious as this all the time. And yet people do not want to see. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, nobody is without excuse. The Lord is so kind and so gracious, far more than we can possibly imagine. 
everybody has an opportunity to see his greatness. And um, even if it's just the stories that are written in the Bible that explain his greatness, but people don't want to read. People don't want to know. And that's what it says in the Old Testament, that there's, there's no one good. No one seeks after him. And so for you and I, we've been given a touch of grace. And with that touch of grace, we should go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to know you more, but let my heart be hungry for you. So Lord, that's our prayer. Let our heart be hungry for you. We see in this chapter how you're able to bring a great deliverance about, how you're able to send a word through the prophet, how you're able to deliver your people, you're able to demonstrate your power, and yet, Lord, they didn't follow. Lord, let us not be like them. Help us to be people that see your glory, see your greatness, hear your word and hear your voice, people that follow, people with a heart. Strengthen your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.